Welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program providing a gender analysis of contemporary issues from Australia and internationally. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's show, we engage in a dialogue on Kurdish self-determination and socialism. On the 6th of October, Donald Trump ordered American troops to withdraw from northeastern Syria, where the United States had been supporting its Kurdish allies. Three days later, Turkey launched airstrikes on border towns. The air assault resulted in the displacement of over 300,000 people and countless civilian deaths. The Middle Eastern and North African Alliance of Socialists organised an international dialogue over Zoom that I had the benefit of participating in on the question of Kurdish self-determination. Here is an excerpt of that dialogue. My name is Frida Afari. I am a librarian, writer and translator in the U.S., producer of the blog Iranian Progressives in Translation and member of the Alliance of Middle Eastern and North African Socialists. Three weeks after Turkey's full-scale military invasion of northern Syria to crush the Kurdish struggle for self-determination, and push Syrian refugees into a zone under its control, it has once again become clear that no global or regional power is interested in the emancipation of the Kurds or any other peoples of the region. The so-called safe zone agreed on by Turkey and Russia along the Syrian-Turkish border is far from safe and simply another step in the collusion between regional and global powers to destroy any revolutionary effort or desire in Syria or the region. At the same time, the popular revolts that are emerging in Lebanon and Iraq with strong participation by women and anti-sectarian as well as social justice demands following earlier uprisings in Sudan and Algeria show that the desire for a radical transformation of life and labor in the region is very strong. Nazan Ustundag received her PhD from the sociology department at Indiana University Bloomington in 2005. Between 2005 and 2018, she was an assistant professor at Bogazici University, Department of Sociology. Currently, she has a joint fellowship from the Academy at Risk and ILE Scholar Rescue Fund and is affiliated with the Forum for Trans-Regional Studies. Ostendag is a founding member of Women for Peace and Academics for Peace. What is the state of the struggle for Kurdish self-determination in Syria, Turkey, Iraq, and Iran? Thank you, Frida, and thanks to Middle East Alliance of Socialists for this timely discussion. Uh, Kurds right now is 
uh, one of the uh, more one of the most important uh, issues uh, in um, the struggle for liberation in the Middle East. Well, in the Kurdish case, uh, self-determination or in the Kurdish liberation movement, uh, movement's case, and uh, by that I mean um, the uh, large network, social movements, individuals, organizations that identify with the ideas of Abdullah Öcalan mostly. Uh, and because that's the most more powerful actor, uh, Kurdish liberation uh, movement um, in, uh, is, um, it, I mean, this is the more powerful actor in the context of Turkey, uh, although there are, of course, other uh, movements, other Kurdish movements um, that struggle for self-determination. So what does self-determination in this ideology entail? Well, it entails uh, that uh, an org uh, the ideas of democratic autonomy and democratic co confederalism, which means uh, that all the this means of decision making, means of defense and means of production will be organized from below. There will be several institutions, uh, health institutions, work in institutions um, that uh, organize workers, instit uh, health institutions, I said, uh, women's institutions um, and uh, other forms of institutions that are organized in, uh, in terms of assemblies and where decision making um, is done transferred uh, to the um, to the bottom of society, and from there on will uh, a democratic autonomy develop uh, parallel to existing state institutions. So, in the context of Turkey, self uh, demands for self determination or organization for self determination did not occur uh, against the Turkish state. So, it was not a not a matter of um, of separating from the Turkish state, but rather it was liberating oneself, liberating society, uh, and making uh, state institutions inoperative through uh, organizing from below. So in between 2013 and 2015, uh, I can say that this was very successful uh, number of uh, uh, also because uh, many municipalities, many local municipalities were governed uh, by the Kurdish political party and municipality, the resources of municipalities give, gave um, Kurdish actors a large, um, a large space. Uh, and re made resources available so that uh, there could be all these organizations and institutions. But with 2015, with the collapse of the peace process between PKK and Turkey, the picture has radically changed. And right now, the experiment with, social, with uh, democratic autonomy and democratic confederalism in uh, Turkey's Kurdistan is experiencing a backlash. Um, so, uh, I, I should also say maybe in uh, relation to your question, um, uh, the relationship of uh, Kurdish struggle with other uh, socialist and other emancipatory struggles, uh, 
between 2013 and 2015, Kurdistan in Turkey, through these organizations, through these experiments and all that, uh, the, the uh, local institutions had become a center point in Turkey where a lot of academics, journalists, activists, LGBT movement, feminist movement, workers movement could go to Kurdistan and talk about and um, meet, uh, organize workshops around questions of inequality and liberation. So it was a very lively time with uh, multiple institutions and basically almost everyone in Kurdistan participating in this way or another into these organizations. It was also, um, it, maybe it's also important to underline, and that would, uh, that would also apply to Syria, uh, other minorities in the Kurdish region were encouraged to create their own organizations and participate in uh, the organizations Kurds have created. So there, it was like a, um, between these years, I can, uh, I think, talk about a renaissance of uh, Turkey's Kurdistan. But after the collapse of um, uh, the peace process, um, what we have experienced was a, a, the, the um, uh, re-emergence of the uh, armed warfare uh, and most importantly, of course, uh, the curfews that were uh, declared in Kurdish cities and uh, the uh, civilian deaths caused by the Turkish army. Um, uh, but this is a whole other topic. I'm not going to go that much into detail. I'm just going to talk about the consequences of this period. Uh, what happened was a state of emergency was declared in uh, Kurdistan, in northern Kurdistan, in Bakur. And uh, all the municipalities were confiscated by the state. Uh, new um, governors were um, appointed, uh, but most destructive was, of course, the ruinization of all cities. Uh, uh, cities after they were um, they were uh, under curfew. Um, military has destroyed cities like Shirnak, Jizre, uh, Diyarbakir, Ahmet, uh, Van, uh, and uh, people were forcibly migrated. And a lot of people, most mostly uh, important actors in the Kurdish movement, were either killed or arrested. In uh, 2019, so until 2019, uh, uh, 30, um, March 31st, uh, the Kurdistan was uh, like, I mean, it's, uh, it is still and it was, but uh, very obviously colonized and occupied. Uh, occupied. Like uh, we were talking about Palestinization of Kurdistan uh, because the army ruled everything. It was completely occupied uh, and all spaces were, um, uh, uh, there were checkpoints in all spaces and uh, self-governance was made uh, basically impossible. 
then uh, in 2019, we had, uh, we had an election, a local election, and the Kurdish political party, actually it's not the Kurdish political party, it's called uh, Halkların Democracy Party, which is People's Democracy Party, uh, which is an alliance, an umbrella organization, if you want, uh, dominated by the Kurdish liberation movement, but also uh, all other socialist um, uh, movements in Turkey, uh, feminist movement, LGBTI movement, and other minority movements are part, uh, are, uh, part of this uh, political party. So this political party won once again 58 municipalities. Uh, but in the last couple of months, once again, all these municipal—I mean, 14 of them, uh, three metropoles, I mean, three of the big, biggest cities uh, were confiscated once again, and government uh, uh, officials were appointed uh, to these municipalities. And there was, an in, uh, there was some protests, some very powerful protests, but unfortunately, the war in Syria, what happened, I mean, Turkey's occupation in Syria uh, has uh, extremely, uh, is extreme, I, I mean, it, it shapes also the Kurdish struggle in Turkey. And now it is impossible when people are dying, when Turkey is using chemical weapons, committing all these crime, all these war crimes, it has become impossible almost in Kurdistan to struggle for your own rights. When people come to the street, when people try to do something, they usually want to do it for the Kurds in Syria right now. So this first reaction against the confiscation of municipalities has a little bit died out, I must say. Um, maybe I can also add uh, that um, many of the co-presidents uh, in these municipalities are now arrested. And uh, some of the figures uh, could be mentioned, like Selçuk Mızraklı, who was the who was the co-mayor co of Diyarbakır. Why am I mentioning these names? Because these names are um, uh, very uh, um, reconciliatory names. They uh, were not really um, known for their um, for their uh, radical opinions, rather they were reconciliatory names, but even they are now uh, in prison. So basically, uh, if you were asking me this question uh, four years ago, I would uh, maybe uh, give a much deeper um, response explaining to you, you know, the different uh, different, uh, di I mean, the dif difficulties, paradoxes emerging in such an idea of democratic aut autonomy, in the experience of creating democratic autonomy. But right now, that experience and all that has, all the traces of that experience are being erased by the Turkish state. And I think that's the most important thing I can underline right now. Kurdish women have been very active in Rojava and have also been in the forefront of women's struggles <clears throat> in Turkey. 
What have been the high points and the limitations of Kurdish women's participation? Okay, this is again probably. I mean, all that all these topics are uh, topics for for a conference, but uh, I'm just going to try to um, uh, make the best possible out of the time I have. So once again, I'm going. I'm talking about a, a, a women's movement associated with the Kurdish liberation movement, mostly, which I call, uh, which I, uh, I mean, uh, which is led by PKK in Turkey and PYD in Syria, which adheres to Öcalan's ideas. Um, I, as you might have heard, uh, PKK, but defines itself and even the legal party HDP define themselves as women's as a women's movement which is I think a very interesting um, way of defining yourself when you are actually also uh, uh, primarily fighting for self-determination and for the liberation of our people uh, and maybe we can start with that uh, definition. Why do they define themselves as a women's movement? Uh, in their theoretical understanding, for, first of all, women are the first colony. So women are the first colony and all the strategies, all the tactics, all the ideas that have been developed, all, the uh, all, all, all these that have been developed to make women into a colony, are used today to make people into a colony. And therefore, without understandings, understanding how women became a colony and how they can become liberated as a people from patriarchy, uh, for the Kurdish movement, it's also impossible to envision an ecological liberation or the liberation of people against the state, against capitalism, etc. And uh, they, in a sense, reverse um, the um, uh, the left. I mean, the conventional way of looking at uh, women's freedom in leftist movements, uh, 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 in orthodox leftist movements. For the Kurdish movement, liberation of women will lead to social and political liberation of people. So. Uh, it, it, it's not enough or it's not going to change anything or people will never become liberated. A liberated people, uh, a liberated society cannot be envisioned as long as the liberation of women uh, does not lead the way. Um, and uh, what we see today is actually, or women's movement, in, uh, women's movement, the Kurdish women's movement explains what's happening today as a civil war. Uh, of course, uh, they define a third world, on, a third world war on the one hand, the patrician of the Middle East once more, and um, a. a, a um, a war of, of, of resources, etc., and um, division of resources. So there is, for them, a third world war is occurring where the center is the Middle East. But as importantly, there is a civil war that continues against women within families, in society, and that is the core of the third world uh, of the third world war we are witnessing right now right now so women are um uh, so men and basically the whole matrix of trump putin Mon mondi erdogan bolsonaro 
urban, all these figures, their patriarchal relations, their patriarchal alliances, uh, their capitalist alliances, how they share firms, lawyers, etc. All this is that this is enabled by patriarchy itself, and its uh, enemy is women. So both on the political uh, or at the political um, level, at the most formal political level, but in our everyday, we are constantly, I mean, women are constantly being killed. And without seeing this as a, as a war, as a, as a form of genocide uh, against women, we cannot understand uh, global affairs for the Kurdish uh, women's movement. And, um so in their opinion and i will come back come come why that is uh, state capitalism and patriarchy are intertwined they cannot be separated they are they operate together constantly in alliance there might be some disruptors and these disruptors uh, when there when they when there are some incoherences in that alliance that is the space when resistance emerges that is the time of crisis but state capital and patriarchy must be fought against together and nationalism religionism uh, scientism uh, in a sense uh, um, producing knowledge through positivist science and industrialism are the four ideologies that uh, are used to legitimize the domination of women and the domination of people. Um, so the, the um, what do these ideologies uh, have in common? What do they do and how do they give rise to, to the uh, state capital, uh, to the uh, uh, to the reproduction of state capital and patriarchy? Well, that they make sure the means of defense, production, reproduction, and self-governance, self, in a sense, decision-making, are constantly monopolized by central actors, by uh, men, by capitalists, and by the uh, state uh, machinery. So uh, if you look for the Kurdish movement, and the Kurdish women's movement makes a lot of top use of uh, quantum physics. They use a lot of, uh, they, they make a, a lot of use of uh, mythology, Mesopotamian mythology. What they basically say is every cell, like every cell, every society, in order to reproduce itself, needs the means of defense, production, reproduction, and decision making. And basically, man, state, and capitalism have confiscated that these means first from women and then from people in general. So women have to get these means back. How are they going to get these means back? And all these institutions and systems of for women's liberation are created for this purpose. How can I, uh, how can women come together and produce their own, take back and produce their own means of defense, means of production, reproduction, and uh, decision making, making. And uh, uh, I can talk about the tactics they use or the institutions they create, the model. Uh, which they apply in order uh, to achieve 
women's freedom, first of all, autonomous assemblies and autonomous institutions. Women have to have their autonomous institutions. So uh, that's why we see, for example, the, the uh, YPG is a separate military organization where women are fighting because if women are fighting together with men, uh, they will become colonized. They will, uh, they will uh, lose um, uh, once again the means of self-defense. That's the fear. So you have to first organize autonomously. You have to find yourself as women. So autonomous assemblies, autonomous institutions are very important. Uh, and the co-presidency system. So in all mixed assemblies, so for, for example, in a neighborhood, let's say you have a for, as democratic autonomous institutions, you have an health assembly, you have a self-defense assembly, you have a decision-making assembly, you have a justice assembly, then you will also have parallel to each of these uh, independent women's assemblies and women's assemblies have the right to embargo to uh, to stop the decisions made by the collective assembly by the mixed assemblies and all mixed assemblies uh, theoretically have to have representation uh, equal representation of women and men and have co-presidency there is one woman and one man uh, acting as uh, spokespeople of these assemblies. You've been listening to the Middle Eastern and North African Alliance of Socialists dialogue on the question of Kurdish self-determination. Find the MENA Alliance on Women on the Line's Facebook page to get notifications of upcoming international events. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Women on the Line. Women on the Line is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR. The show is funded by the Community Radio Foundation and distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can email us at womenontheline at gmail.com. You can also download our podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Follow the links to the Women on the Line page where you'll find all of our previous programs. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.